Welcome to the Sovereign Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Arzu Babri. In this community, we embark on a journey towards self-discovery in order to reclaim our sovereignty and live a life rich in connection, meaning, and purpose. Welcome back, everyone. I hope that you're all doing well and also remembering to implement necessary breaks into your lives. And I say this because it's been an intense few weeks for many people, and I know that it's really easy to get trapped into a routine where you may feel like you need to constantly keep pushing forward, regardless of how burnt out you may actually feel. So I thought it would be a good reminder to just let everyone know that it's okay to step outside of your habitual routine for just a moment and implement some intentional breaks and activities that you feel are more nourishing and grounding for you. This week's episode was inspired by an experience that I had recently. And so what happened was I had decided to sell a couple of things online. And on two separate occasions, the two women who showed up to pick up the items looked so different from their profile photos that when I first saw these women in person, it was a bit of a shock. And I was telling my girlfriend about this and I said to her, I feel really bad for people who are dating online these days and are constantly shocked by the people that are that they're meeting in person because they look nothing like their photos. And my girlfriend was the one who actually told me that there were a few men who had who she had gone on dates with who had actually thanked her for looking like her profile photos. And I know I probably sound like I've been living under a rock for 10 years, but when you're not exposed to these sorts of things regularly, it's a bit of a shock to the system. So originally, I wanted to talk about the the portrayal of false beauty within our society, but then so many other interesting things came up and I realized the issue doesn't stop at beauty. And in fact, there are many social standards that we have accepted as normal that really aren't normal at all. So today's episode is dedicated to the changes in our society that have impacted us as a collective and as a result have potentially contributed to the rise in psychological, emotional, and physical concerns among many people today. Now, just as a disclaimer, I'm aware that the content of this episode can be triggering for some, so please understand that I'm not judging or criticizing anyone. I'm just highlighting certain social norms and what uh, some of the research is showing and how these uh, societal trends are very much correlated to our overall mental and emotional well-being. So please take whatever resonates and leave the rest behind. And I think the people that will connect with this week's episode the most will be the ones who have always on a very intuitive level felt like something was off with the way society has been progressing forward, but may not have necessarily done a deep analysis of it. And like I've mentioned before, everything I focus on in various episodes is to help bring into our conscious awareness some patterns and areas in our lives that require some healing that we may not be aware of. So with that, let's jump into this week's topic. Now, social norms are the unwritten rules of behavior that are considered acceptable in a group or society, and they exist to provide order and predictability within a society. So social conditioning is the process of training individuals to think, believe, feel, want, and act in a way that is generally approved by their society. So when it's all said and done, through social conditioning, 
people behave within the conforms of what is accepted as normal within a society. So in essence, social norms end up being an unspoken set of rules and behaviors dictated to us by society. And this all starts off at a very young age, actually, because depending on what our parents are exposed to or what we in turn are exposed to through the education system or the media, we learn to fall in line at a very young age out of fear of being different. And being different ultimately means you are at risk of either being bullied or excluded. So this is why most people conform uh, to various social standards. And I'm sure every single one of you listening today can think of a time in your life where you may have done something that didn't necessarily align with your values, but you went ahead with it because you wanted to fit in or be accepted. Now, the most influential factor in our society is the media, which comes in the form of social media nowadays. And according to communication theories, Repeated exposure to media content leads individuals to begin to accept what the media is portraying as a representation of reality. So this conditioning has become heightened due to the massive influence of social media and in particular the repetition and filtering of information that also takes place. So what you're seeing is actually very tightly organized and not random at all. And the algorithm of social media in particular is constantly changing, which forces creators to conform to a certain standard for their content to even be shown to their own followers. So in order to grow on social media, you have to follow us. You have to follow certain trends just to be visible. And what that's doing is that it's stripping people away of their authenticity because you have to keep up with the standards they are laying out for you in order to fit in. And I've mentioned it before, but just because something is accepted as socially normal doesn't automatically mean that it's actually normal or even healthy for us. And just to give you guys some examples, some of the concepts people used to think were normal included slavery, burying baby girls alive simply because they weren't boys, heroin and cough medication, drinking and smoking during pregnancy, mercury fillings, the food pyramid that was completely upside down for so many years, and the demonizing of dietary fats, and in turn replacing them with refined sugars and processed fillers, which has led to an epidemic of obesity, and so many more examples. So really what we see here is that when we reflect back on these past so-called social norms, we realize that just because something is being advertised as healthy doesn't mean that it is the case. And most often it's actually quite the opposite. And this is also why within the medical realm, so many drugs are constantly being pulled off the shelf or doctors are refraining from prescribing them as liberally as before due to their known negative effects on the body. Now, not all social changes are bad. We have evolved a lot as a society, but because so much change has taken place in such a short period of time, we've tipped the scale more towards negative change than positive. And that's what I want to focus on in today's episode. So just like I mentioned already, social media creates an alternative reality that many people actively immerse themselves into from the moment they wake up. And regardless of how harmless you think your engagement with social media is, your subconscious mind is soaking everything up and you're forming new standards that are constantly programming within your mind. So for today's episode, I obviously won't cover all of the social quote unquote norms that we are experiencing in our 
modern world today, but just a few that are the most relevant and relatable. And I have actually mentioned various other examples in some of my previous episodes as well. And the reason why I keep returning to these topics and adding more to them each time is to allow everyone to step back and do an honest assessment of where they fall within the scale and see if any of these factors are actually contributing to your overall dissatisfaction with life or some areas where you might feel that you are just stuck. So the first socially accepted norm is trending food. So just as an example, if we were to look at the history of cereal, we would find that it started back in 1863 by someone named James Caleb Jackson, who used dried graham flour dough that needed to be soaked in milk in order to be consumed. And that And then later on, that was adopted by the Kellogg brothers, who in the 1900s added sugar to a flaked cereal and then started mass marketing it with the first in-box prize. And then came Quaker with the eighth wonder of the world and Wheaties marketed their products as the breakfast of champions. And then after World War II, cereal consumption increased with the baby boom and a new era of advertising began as well. So using characters like Tony the Tiger, Captain Crunch and Donkey Kong all the way up into the 80s and so on and so forth. Um, It just kind of continued on from there. So consider now how cereal is a household staple and one of the most popular breakfast foods for children that is completely void of nutrients except for what's been added into it. So it's a simple carb, which means it breaks down into sugar very quickly in the body. So kids eat this, they get a sugar spike and then a crash. And something that correlates with this is the rise in the diagnosis of ADHD. And what we know about ADHD is that if you were to take away the sugars and the additives and give kids proper nutrients, suddenly their attention improves and their energy levels out. So in relation to this, what we have going on currently in terms of food trends are a lot of plant-based meats, and I'm quoting this here. So there's a lot of fake meat, lots of milk alternatives that have tons of chemicals in them, and the new thing is healthy snacks or anything that is labeled as natural where there really isn't nothing natural about any of it. So we're all just kind of jumping from one trend to another with different packaging and advertising to cater to what people are after in the current um, society that we're living in. The second socially conditioned norm that we have moved towards is this idea of false beauty. Because our appearance is conditioned by society through the media's portrayal of the standard of beauty, And we also live in a culture that encourages people to get attention any way that they can. So what this has created is the desire for many to fully change their appearance in order to fit into the standard that has been laid out for them. And in order to give this idea of the so-called perfect appearance, people Photoshop or use filters on all of their photos. And what the research is showing is that young adults who frequently use filters on social media have increased levels of dissatisfaction with their actual face and body. Because not only are they comparing themselves to this quote unquote perfect image of celebrities and their friends, they're judging themselves against their own filtered selfies as well. 
And I know hearing this, you may think we don't need research papers to tell us this, but since the data exists, I thought I would share it so that it makes it more tangible for those of you who are interested. And additionally, what the research is showing is that exposure to these idealized images of friends, celebrities, and influencers leads to comparison and increases our focus on not only our own appearance, but also the appearance of others as well. So on a subconscious level, we are constantly objectifying ourselves and others and then internalizing certain images, which leads to shame and dissatisfaction, and then eventual depression, eating disorders, and impacts on our overall mental health. And it doesn't just stop at using filters. For some people, in order to fit into the standard of beauty, this involves thousands of dollars spent on various things to help enhance their appearance. And what we see happening is that the age for body dissatisfaction is becoming lower and lower. And the research on this shows that social media use is associated with higher body dissatisfaction and the appearance of eating disorder symptoms. The third socially conditioned norm that is widely accepted is our society's relationship with sex. And there are two parts to this point. And the first part is that sex has been reduced down to meaning absolutely nothing to the point where most people are either trying to get it over with or feel the need to engage in behavior that they are very uncomfortable with, but feel pressured to move forward because it's socially accepted. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because over the years, I have seen many, many cases involving either hormonal or reproductive health. And the ones that come in with this story of no one can really figure out what's wrong with me. They often have this underlying energetic or emotional cause that no one has addressed. So in the past, when I've sensed this, I've asked my patients what their first sexual experience was like, or if there is any history of traumatic sexual experiences. And most of the time, I have noticed these people break down crying and share that they were either pressured into doing something that they weren't comfortable with, or they were stuck in relationships that were with the wrong people, or in fact, there actually was a history of sexual abuse. And this is exactly why I'm bringing this up, because just in case someone who is listening today feels like they have never really resonated with the trends that exist in our world, and that they feel conflicted in any way, I want you to know that there is never, ever a time where you should feel Like you need to betray your own values or your intuition just because it's a thing that everyone else is doing. So in terms of social conditioning, our current social standards of sex is that this so-called hookup culture where the media has become our source of sex education, which is often filled with inaccurate portrayals of sexuality and sex is very much externally focused, objectified, mechanical, and void of any sort of commitment. And one research study in particular actually pointed out that there is an increase, whenever we see an increased number of sex partners, it's also associated with a striking increase in later substance uh, dependence disorders, especially for women. And the, the shift kind of began around the 1960s with the sexual revolution that promised women that if they were to let go of their inhibitions, they would be happy and fulfilled. Now, if we were to compare modern sex to more sacred forms of sexual expression, we see that from a more spiritual and sacred 
perspective, sex is about connection between the mind, body, and spirit. It is an awakening through our senses and bodies, and it's intentional. It's respected and valued where there's, it's a lot about the experience. So you're seeing your partner as divine and recognizing it as an energetically creative force that can quite literally transform and heal the mind, body, and soul. And there is a huge exchange that takes place through sex, an exchange of DNA and energies and everything that that person is carrying with them, including their trauma. So every time you mindlessly engage at this level of intimacy with someone, you are inheriting most of what they carry in their energetic body. And if you aren't aware of this, you end up walking away feeling emotionally bound to toxic individuals, confused, depressed, anxious, sad, and a bunch of new things you may not have felt before. So people are walking around with one another's wounds and scars and not even aware of what is happening to them. And because casual sex is so vastly accepted, a lot of the time people aren't necessarily tuning in to see whether or not they actually feel a connection with someone else. If there is any sort of passion or intimacy or even sexual attraction in the first place, because that is what really ignites the fire. Instead, what they have to do is they have to artificially stimulate that fire. And this is where alcohol comes into play, where a lot of people need to either have a drink to loosen up, to have sex, even with their partners or someone or whoever else that they're with. And if we were to analyze this a little bit further, traditionally, the belief was that alcohol would create such a toxic environment within the body that the soul would temporarily detach from the body. And this is what a lot of people refer to as blackout drug. And because of this, another common name for alcohol is spirit because of the impact that it has on the spirit. So the second component that I wanted to discuss on this whole idea of our societal relationship with sex is that currently people are exploiting themselves online under the pretense of empowerment and liberation. And I know that this is a very heated topic and it's so deeply ingrained for many people to believe that exploiting themselves is a form of self-expression and liberation. So maybe only in retrospect, we will realize the damage that this is actually doing in particular to the female collective and the regression that's actually taking place under the guise of liberation. The fourth socially conditioned norm is our anti-aging culture because we are constantly being bombarded with terms such as anti-aging. It really begins to make the process of aging seem horrifying. And then on top of that, we have store names like Forever 21 that keep repeating this message on a very subliminal level. So what we see is a huge industry for Botox that has been created to battle this aging process. And I wanted to point out some of the interesting points that have been highlighted in the research regarding Botox. And again, just to clarify, because I understand that this is a very, very common procedure. I'm not saying it's bad or judging anyone. I'm just touching on some interesting points that have come up in the literature so far. So few studies have shown that emotional perception was significantly impaired in people who had received a cosmetic procedure like Botox that reduced muscular feedback from the face. 
Because what happens is that we read a person's emotions partly by mimicking their facial expressions, which is an important part of nonverbal communication, which is dampened in individuals who get Botox. And something really interesting is that babies also connect with their mothers by mimicking their facial expressions as well. And what happens with Botox is that there is this temporary paralysis of certain facial muscles that we use when we make facial expressions. So it's impacting this neurofeedback that a baby often uses to connect with its mother. And it also distorts parent-infant communication by making the parent look flat emotionally, whereby through facial expressions, parents often communicate their intentions, showing the child that they are either angry or sad, which involves a bunch of facial muscles. And children are very attuned to reading facial expressions. So because of this, it's potentially limiting the information and emotions the child receives as a form of communication. And I'm not sure who can relate to this point, but if you were to think back to a time where one look from your parents said so much in terms of whether or not you were in trouble or if they were impressed or whatever it may have been, then you'll be able to understand what these um, studies are actually highlighting in terms of that parent child relationship. So what the studies are saying is that because of the effect of Botox on facial muscles, it dampens the finer intricate expressions that we make to relay an emotion. And then with that, it's impacting the way we connect with one another emotionally through our nonverbal communication. And please take this with a grain of salt because some argue that Botox doesn't impact facial expressions at all. But the real point here is why is our society teaching us to fight the aging process in the first place? No wonder people are depressed and anxious and are literally going against the grain of nature and disconnecting more and more from the elderly population because subconsciously you're seeing aging as a negative thing when in fact traditionally the elders of each community were the wisdom holders and passed on valuable knowledge to their younger generations. So maybe we're creating a generation that is slowly becoming hardwired to hate themselves once the aging process is no longer impacted by these external interventions. So instead, maybe we sh what we should be doing is encouraging healthy aging, supporting the body internally to fight against the damages of environmental toxins and free radicals instead of teaching the younger generation to go out and binge drink and eat garbage food and then get Botox to cover it up. Because aging really comes down to a reflection of our lifestyle choices. And we should learn to embrace the lines on our face because they show that we laughed or that we thought a lot about the decisions that we made instead of constantly trying to conform to these standards that make us hate ourselves more and more. The fifth socially conditioned norm is our age of reality TV and influencers because we have an era of reality TV shows and this idea of following the lives of others online. And it's funny that we call it reality when in fact there's nothing real about any of it because you end up watching the lives of people who have an entire team dedicated to them. And on a subconscious level, you're constantly comparing your life to theirs. And then oftentimes these individuals are perpetuating the idea of blind consumerism and living very unrealistic lives. So then when you as an average person try to mimic this idea of reality and realize that either you can't or that it's not as fulfilling as it was made out to be, you're left feeling completely disheartened and as if you failed at something. When in fact, the very people whose lives you're idealizing are themselves suffering from depression, body dysmorphia, addictions, or this feeling of void themselves. 
And something else that I see happening a lot is people making claims about certain health and beauty products. And when a regular person uses these things and doesn't get the same results, they completely lose hope about their health, when, which creates a lot of self-blame and shame, when in fact, there's no one solution for everyone. There are so many factors that influence health, like environmental, genetics, diet, lifestyle, stress, sleep, relationships, and so much more. So we need to begin to understand health on a much more holistic level and take a, a whole human approach instead of just making generalized recommendations that may not even fit everyone's case. And just like I'd mentioned at the beginning of today's episode, there are so many more examples of socially accepted norms that aren't necessarily the best or healthiest options for our society. And I don't have time to cover all of them today, obviously, but something that I wanted to leave everyone with is the change in how we communicate with one another, which has created this loss of cohesiveness of society that has led a lot of people uh, towards feeling a lack of sense of community and moral support and how this becomes amplified is that in certain scenarios where people would heavily rely on their communities for support most people are choosing isolation and independence so all in all I just wanted to point out a few of these so-called social norms that are contributing to people's overall sense of confusion disconnection and dissatisfaction on a very subconscious level and a lot of them are heavily focused on creating a sense of identity crisis within many people where there is a lot of shame and comparison among people as they begin to detach more and more from their own personal values and moral compass and shift towards the values that they are told they should uphold. And if the conditions that were set out by society were healthy, they would be sustainable and we should be seeing a collective shift towards wholeness and fulfillment, but people aren't feeling more confident with all of the procedures they are doing to themselves. They're dissociating and feeling more confused from their original source of their issues. So this is why I keep re reiterating the importance of getting to know who you are on a deeply intimate level, because then you step into any situation or environment grounded and whole, and you aren't being swayed from one direction to another which creates a lot of confusion that leads to burnout and eventually you feel like you care about nothing. Because the more we start to explore these concepts, we understand that it's those very unaddressed issues that are based in our insecurities and doubts that turn us into broken versions of ourselves. And so beginning to push away and free ourselves from these social limitations in order to construct our own opinion about things is where we should all be heading. And something to keep in mind for those of you who really resonated with today's episode is that when you're walking along the path towards authenticity that is based in integrity and virtue, it's a very lonely path because most people have heavily bought into the social norms as their absolute truths. And it's very difficult to even begin to relate. So have faith and know that you are on the right path and that the guidance that you need will always be provided for you along the way. And with that, let's move right into this week's episode prompts. Prompt number one is, what is one example of something that is normalized by society that I have never resonated with? 
Prompt number two, at its core, what is it about this example that feels wrong for me? And prompt number three, what is one step I can take to help me live with more intention? All right, friends, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Sovereign Soul Podcast. I really hope that you connected with this week's topic. Feel free to share it with your family and friends who you think may also benefit from it. And I wish you guys a beautiful rest of your week and I will connect with you in a future episode.